this morning, I'd like to just share a message of thanksgiving. I invite you to turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 107. This is a beautiful passage here, and I pray that it'll be a blessing for us as we meditate on the Word of God and also of His goodness and mercy towards us, which is abundant. Beginning of verse 1, the scriptures say, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. We're going to read some extra verses that we didn't cover before. Verse 3, And gather them, the redeemed, out of the, ha- the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south, and they wandered in, a, in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. He led them forth by the right way and they might that they might go to the city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Much could be said about this passage here. We will take time to, to dig through a little bit of it today. Today is going to be more devotional in thought, but still some blessed truths that are here that knowing that we have a God who is good. So the, the message today is talking about the goodness of God, the goodness of God. Psalm 107, it begins with a verse, actually a very common verse in the Psalms and even other passages of scriptures. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. This is a, a passage when we were living in Israel with our Jewish friends as well as our congregation there that we would often quote, uh, often sing. Actually, there's a little Hebrew song that sung this way, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endureth forever. We praise the Lord for that. But this psalm here, it's interesting. It literally lays out, I wish we had time to kind of go through the whole psalm itself. But nonetheless, the, the point of this passage is this, that this psalm, it really reveals a majestic panorama of the goodness of God through the deliverance or the, for the rescue of his people. So it's a majestic panorama of the goodness of God through the deliverance and the rescue of his people. So one thing we say often, we sang about that this morning, God is so good, he's so good to me. And we sing that song, we believe it, we say amen, we encourage each other by it, we read a verse that says it, but we really need to ask ourselves this question, is God really good? Because there are some times in our life and circumstances that happen that we honestly, if we're honest, we really don't feel that God is good. We know it. We know God is good. We have a voice to point at. We have a song to go by. But do we really know that God is good? And I would challenge us by saying, yes, absolutely, he is good. But the thing is this, how do we really know that? And we're going to be looking at one part of the psalm today, up to verses, verse 8 and 9, about that anyways. We're going to see that. But one thing that's interesting, that this Psalm, remember this, that the Psalms, the book of Psalms was in effect more or less the songbook for the children of Israel, for the Jewish people. And so I want to highlight that if you know anything about music or even if you look at our hymnal, we often have, for example, verses. And then at the end of verse, in a lot of our songs, there is a chorus. Okay. Oh, that rings a bell. Okay. I'm teaching you some music 101 this morning. Okay. So Nonetheless, you have a verse and a chorus, a verse and a chorus. That's kind of how our hymnals are devised. Uh, And so it's interesting that in this psalm itself, the way it's broken down, there is actually, I want to point out to the chorus. The chorus is found in verse 8. 
Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Skip down to verse 15. It says the same thing. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works for the children of men. Skip down to the next verse in chorus, verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And then skip down a few more. Verse 31. And that is this. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works for the children of men. There seems to be a pattern here. Can you pick it up? There's something being repeated. So it's kind of like that's how it's highlighted. Here you have a, a, you have a bunch of verses, that form of verse, and then you have the chorus. Well, how does it end? It's interesting. It, and I would say this, this is more or less like the coda, the special ending, if you will, in a song. It's not exactly the same thing, but it still kind of reemphasizes that, that chorus, and that's found in verse 43 at the very end. And this is the challenge. How, what you want to wrap up this whole message by, do you believe in the goodness of God? Have you seen the goodness of God? Have you experienced the goodness of God in your life? And if you have, and you, and you have, whether you realize it or not, verse 43 says this, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness or the goodness of the Lord. So the challenges here at the very end, I'm kind of getting to the, the, the point of the message really quick, is this. If you are wise, if you really take time to see the goodness of God, you will observe these things. Have you observed the goodness of God? If you have observed it and you apply that to your life, you will then understand the loving kindness, the chesed is the Hebrew word there, but you'll understand the chesed, the loving kindness, and also it's translated, not just loving kindness, translated goodness of the Lord. You will understand this as you observe God's ways. We mentioned over the past couple of weeks talking about uh, remembering the works of God, and we saw how God even furnished a table in the wilderness, and how we should remember to uh, observe the works of God. Don't neglect it. That's why we take time, especially like on Sundays, Wednesdays, in particular we do this, where we take time for works of God testimonies. What has God done in your life? Perhaps you have even maybe written a work of God in your life uh, there at the, uh, the Thanksgiving offering we did a moment ago. We should take time often to remember the works of God and knowing that he is good, that he indeed rescues us and delivers us. So this is amazing. So my first challenge, and we talk about the goodness of God, is first, and I, first of all, is this, that we should recognize the goodness of God. Recognize the goodness of God. Again, going back to verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His, love, his mercy, his chesed, endureth forever. That the redeemed the Lord say so, we have redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So first of all, we are to give thanks always for the goodness of God. I'll teach you just a little bit of Hebrew because it's kind of in, in modern Israel, it's a play on words. So to give thanks uh, is simply hodu. It's one word in Hebrew, hodu. To give thanks, oh, give thanks. It's simply one word in Hebrew, hodu. It's, the, in, it's imperative. You give thanks is the idea. Hodu, I'm going to ask my wife this because she, she's an expert in Hebrew. Okay. So what is another name? For, what is he, uh, hodu also a word for? Turkey. That's right, the bird. Like you eat, that you ate on Thursday. Except for John and Paul because they have sloppy joes. Okay. 
And we know the Sweeties had ham, okay? So we had both. Uh, we didn't have Sloppy Joe's, though. But anyways, hodu is also the word for, for turkey. So give thanks in turkey. And it's also the word for what country? No, no. That's Turkey, yeah? India. India. So the country of India in Hebrew is hodu as well. So hodu is when you have thanks, you give thanks for the turkey in India. Hodu, hodu, hodu. There you go. It's one Hebrew word. It's amazing. See, Hebrew is very, you know, it, it's very simple, okay? Anyway, nonetheless, we're we're supposed to give thanks always for the goodness of God. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good, okay? So the fact of the matter is that he is good. And, and in that, we as children of God, if you're here today, you have experienced the goodness of God. Therefore, you are a perpetual partner of his goodness. Did you know that? You are a perpetual, continual partner of God's goodness. God is good to us only on Sundays? No. God is good to us only this year? Only when we're behaving? Man, we're, some of us would be in a heap of trouble, right? God is good to us all the time. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. He is. So the thing is this. Don't forget that. Okay? Even when we stray from God, God is still good to us. That's very true. I tell you what, if you have children and grandchildren, if they misbehave, aren't you still good to them? You still feed them, I hope. You don't kick them out of the house unless they're 35 or something. But anyways, but nonetheless, you still are good to them. That's That should be the nature of parenting, okay? It might affect your relationship when they mess up. But nonetheless, you are still good to them, generally speaking. Even so, we have received the goodness of God. We are perpetual partners of his goodness. Not just of his goodness, but all of his, of his mercy. The loving kindness is chesed. This is his covenantal love that he have. That is forever. That is everlasting is the idea. His love is endorsed forever. It's everlasting. So when does God's goodness and mercy end? Never. Don't forget about it. Now, we might feel that it stops today. Man, God, I messed up. If you only know what I did today, God, why would you ever love me? Why would you ever care for me? Why would you be merciful to me? God's love and mercy is there forever. It's always available. It's given to us. Praise God for that. That's that should be something we should be thankful for. Now the question is this: Who are who are those who give thanks? Who should be the ones who give thanks? And that's found in verse two. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So who are those who give thanks? It's the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so the redeemed is interesting here. Uh, in verse three, it says. Uh, they are redeemed, but also they are gathered. The redeemed in, are, are also gathered. We're going to talk about that more specifically in a moment. That God has a purpose for our redemption. It's not just to redeem us. Okay, you're forgiven. You're good. You're mine. Now you're good to go. No, God also has a plan, not just to uh, redeem us from, from sin, from deliverance that way, and from the hand of the enemy, but also he, he intends to gather us to bring us to himself and where do we find that? That brings us into really safety. When that happens, God brings us into safety. It's amazing to see that. So what do the redeemed say, though? It says here, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You might have even heard that. There's even a song by that. Uh, let the redeemed Lord say so. Well, what are they saying? Let the redeemed Lord say so. Sometimes we just mention that. We forget. I'll be honest with you. 
that the redeemed, I've, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things that the redeemed say. When I'm talking about the redeemed here, I'm referring to those who are children of God, those who have, are saved, those who are born again, okay? Those that belong to God. Now, but honest with you, what the redeemed often say is anything but thank you, God. Sometimes, what are we supposed, in, in the context, what, what does the redeemed say? That God is good. That he is merciful. That's what the redeemed should say. But so many times the redeemed say, God, this is a rough day for me. God, I, I man, I stubbed my toe again. God, I messed up. We, we say everything. We complain. We mope. We, gro- we groan and all that. We are unthankful many times. What should the redeemed Lord say, should say though? That he is good. So the redeemed often forget to give thanks for the goodness of God. Let me just park for a moment and go back to our Thanksgiving table. I hope you had a a wonderful dinner and uh, no matter what you ate, okay, but you were filled, I hope. And I hope you took time uh, during that moment to give thanks, maybe yourself or with your family and friends, to give thanks to the Lord for his rich blessings to us. We should feast on the graciousness and goodness of God. We should feast on that. But I, I will say this. We talked last week about picky eaters at God's table, right? Talking about picky eaters. Maybe you had picky eaters at your table, or maybe you were the picky eater. I don't know. But nonetheless, I think so many times when we grumble and complain, or we, we, we're distracted by other things, a lot of times what happens? When someone doesn't feel up to eating, what do they usually do? We say they usually pick out their food, right? Maybe stir it around and maybe eat a bite here or there. And, but they're, they're really not filled. That person's really not satisfied. And I think one thing we have to be careful of is this, that if we develop a heart of ingratitude and not just taking one day, yeah, we all always forget that. But if there is a perpetual thing, like when's the last time you actually stopped and thanked God for his blessings on your life? When's the last time you actually did that? Like on purpose. Not God, thank you for this day. God, thank you for this food. You know, you're supposed to do that. But when's the time you really stopped and thank God. Remember, there's a song we like to sing, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Take time to do that, because I think a lot of times when we're sitting at the table, we grumble and we complain. We're really not thankful. And what we do with God's blessings is we simply just kind of play with our food. We play with God's goodness. And we really don't really notice the beauty and the satisfaction that he gives us, that he daily loadeth us with his blessings and benefits. God is good. So what do the redeemed say? What should they say? God, you are good and your mercy is forever. So here's the thing. We are redeemed. We are blood bought. Our redemption is proof of God's goodness. I like that. Our redemption is proof. How do you know that God is good? If he's redeemed you, doesn't that mean God is good? Because he did it. You didn't redeem yourself, folks. God did that. So our redemption, where do you begin with giving thanks to God, is remembering his redemption. It's proof of God's goodness. It's proof of God's goodness. So it's interesting. What should our song be? I like, this is a remark by Charles Spurgeon. He said this, that in heaven there is no sweeter hymn than thou hast redeemed us unto God by his blood. Revelation 5, 9. God, you have redeemed us by the blood of the Lamb. Sweet grace came by the blood of the Lamb. 
sweet grace was made possible by the great I am. Praise God for his grace and his goodness to us. You see, why do we need God's grace? Why do we need God's deliverance? This is really talking about rescue and deliverance. This is what the passage is about. We'll dig more about that in a second. But really, we need God's deliverance, really, from, first of all, from our own folly. There's a lot of things, uh, you know, when you talk about, uh, you know what ufta is, right? That's a common expression up here. What is ufta? Does anyone know? Have you ever heard of ufta in Cameroon? I'm going to teach you ufta. We're going to translate it into Cameroon. I'll do my best, okay? I don't even know if most Minnesotans get it anymore. Ufta is when you step in mud and you found out it wasn't. That's ufta. Ufta is something you do on your own, like, oops, I did something on my own, on myself. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm full-blooded Scandinavian, I'm Norwegian, a little bit of Swede, and so there's a lot of jokes that go around in, 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 you know, amongst Norwegians and all that. We're not the brightest group in the world. But, you know, Norwegians, we actually have my fault insurance, okay? <laughs> so, nonetheless, there's a lot of things that we do that we bring upon ourselves. And, and a lot of times in our life, too, there's a lot of things that we need to be delivered from, and a lot of it is what we end up doing ourselves. We get ourselves in situations like, oh boy, oofda, look what happened to me, okay? And we need God's deliverance from that. Some of it is willful choices, maybe deliberate sin that we do, and we God deliver us. Man, I messed up. I'm in a mess. It's affecting me, affecting my family. I need your help. And then there's our other times we need God's deliverance as well, rescue in our lives from simply life circumstances that are beyond our control. There's things that happen to our lives that, you know, you're going great one day, you're heading to work or you're visiting someone and all of a sudden your life just changes on a dime because of something comes up. Maybe something that came in the mail, for example, changes everything. Uh, you have a, an, an accident that happened in the state and all of a sudden your plans for Thanksgiving are totally unended. You're dealing with cancer. Like that wasn't on your plan for the year. You know, things happen that are beyond our control. And yes, what, where do we go for that? Yeah, you can talk to the doctors, talk to your lawyers, talk whoever. You get assistance. But how important is it for us, even more so, to cry into God who can deliver us, who has the ability, who will carry us through even those moments. We need God's deliverance from our own folly as well as life circumstances. Well, let me ask you this then. We recognize this. God is good. Sure, we believe that. But where's the evidence? Remember the old Wendy's commercial? Where's the beef? All right. Where's the proof that God has is good? Where's the proof? Where's the evidence of that? We find that in verse three. Well, in verse two, it says he had redeemed from the hand of the enemy. He had, then he says he had gathered them from the lands, from the east and from the west and the north and the south. So talking about a gathering, this is what he did with, with the children of Israel throughout their years. We think of uh, deliverance from Egypt, for example, from slavery from there. We think also of how God delivered them from Babylon. Remember, they were in exile for 70 years. And then God, through different works, he allowed the children of Israel to come back uh, slowly, eventually came, coming back to Israel. And then we've seen even in our own time how God has blessed Israel and the Jewish people. He brought them back to their homeland. Did you know that half of the Jewish people of the world today is now back in Israel? It's amazing seeing that. Uh, it's, it was a dream, really, uh, for, for centuries that that would happen. And we're seeing that. And they're coming from the north, south, east, and west. Pretty amazing. But we, first of all, we see what's an evidence of God's goodness. God is good because he is faithful. He keeps his promises. God made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. He made his promise to Israel that he would not abandon them, that he would bless them, 
Make him a great nation. Through them, all the nations of the world be blessed. God promised them a land as well. Uh, God, God told Abraham, where your soul shall walk, that's the land that I'm giving you from the river of Egypt to the Euphrates. And so God has given them this land. And so with that, there is a physical redemption that they will take back that land. But also there's a spiritual redemption as well, that they would be a people unto himself, a peculiar people, a special treasure unto himself. God would redeem that. And that definitely can, uh, we can definitely see the benefit in our own lives as Christians as well, uh, who have trusted Jesus Christ, that we have that spiritual inheritance, that we are secured in Christ Jesus. We praise God for that. But we also see that God is good. Where's more evidence? Because he delivers. God is good because he delivers. First of all, from adversity, from the hand of the enemy in verse 2. He delivers from trouble and distress. That's found in verse 6. He also delivers us from misery. Look at verse 10. Such as sit in darkness in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron. God delivers from misery. We also see that God delivers from destruction. In verse 20, it says, He sent his word and healed them, delivered them from their destructions, from the calamities that would come upon them. Verse 39, God delivers them from oppression as well. It says again, they are minished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. God delivers. He delivers in so many ways. If we would only recognize and see that, and we would say like it says in verse 8, all that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Don't you see it? Don't you see what God has done in your life? We should be thankful for that. Stop and look and consider on that. So here's the interesting thing about this passage in this psalm. And I love this thought. The idea is this in this passage here is that God saves or he delivers his people through reversals. Think about that. What this passage is about is about reversals. In this, we see God's goodness. So in other words, the children of Israel, they dealt with adversity, the hand of the enemy. Guess what? God reversed that. They're delivered from that now. They were in trouble and in distress. Guess what? God delivers that. That was a reversal from that. They were in misery. God delivers from that. That's a reversal. From destruction, he delivers. From oppression, he delivers. He rescues. It's a reversal. That's the idea. And so I want us to bring our attention to the ultimate goodness of God and the ultimate reversal is found in the gospel. It's found in the gospel where the sinless one, Jesus Christ, died for sinners for their redemption and for their sins. Folks, when you got saved, that was a reversal. You were going in one direction. And when God in his grace and his goodness redeemed you by his blood, your situation was reversed. The curse is reversed. And one day, Jesus Christ will come back to this earth. He'll, re he'll claim this earth as his own, the title deed from the earth. That's Revelation. And guess what will happen? The curse is reversed. And Christ will rule and reign in peace with a rod of iron here on this earth. Isn't that amazing when you think about that? The big message that we see from this is a reversal. If you, so I want you to think about, when you think about the goodness of God, Think about the reversals in your life where you were going in this direction. Think about your own salvation, your own salvation testament. Let me ask you a question here. I want you to think in your own heart. If God, if, if God didn't save you if, you, if you had not gotten saved, where would your life be now? Think about that. 
Shouldn't you say, God, thank you for that reversal? <laughs> Praise God. The ultimate reversal is the gospel. Praise God that Jesus Christ, the sinless one, died for a sinner like me. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what he's done. Wow. We could just stop right there and have a party. All right. But there's more. All right. There's more. God is good also. What's another evidence of the goodness of God? He is good because he leads us. He leads us. Verse 7. I love this verse. It says, And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to the city of habitation. It's interesting. Back in verse 4, it talks about the people. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way, like in a, um, in a desolate land, for example, like a wilderness. And they found no city dwelling. They were like pilgrims. They were vagabonds on this earth. And now in verse 7, the Lord has led them forth by the right way that they may go in the city of habitation. Now they have a place of settling. Folks, without Christ, you're going to be wandering in your own thoughts, in your own misery, your own, own way. Okay? Let me ask you this. I'm using a Dave Ramsey quote here. How's that working for you? Or That's for Dr. Phil, sorry. Nonetheless, you know what I mean. Okay? I... Let's stick to the text. It's easier. Okay. <laughs> but here's the thing. They're talking about this. God led them in a right way. Folks, there's a lot of wrong ways if we're left to ourselves. There's a lot of wrong ways. You think you know it. You think you know what you're doing. Okay. And all of a sudden you are way over your head. You're treading water and then some. But the thing is this. Are you doing it under your own strength? The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 25, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. Folks, are you going in your own way? Are you trying to even get your way to God in your own strength, in your own path that you're making? I actually heard a, an interesting story. We were watching a story last night of a guy who was talking with someone else, talking about spiritual things. And he says, I'm, I'm a spiritual person. And actually, that's a very common thing you hear in the world today. A lot of people are spiritual. They're not really tied to a church, though, not really tied to the Bible. Not, they're just kind of floating on their own. And, and his example was what, correct me if I'm wrong, honey, but he basically said that I really don't want to be like tied down to one thing in particular. I just want to get a little bit of this and that from everyone. He's kind of floating around. Folks, he's making his own way. That, But guess what? There's a dead end at that road. There really is. Folks, the fact of the matter is that there is a way and it's provided by the way, Jesus Christ. No man comes to the Father except by him. Praise God for that. What are we supposed to do? What should we do? How do we get that right way? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You probably know these verses by heart. To trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not into our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him and what? He shall direct our paths or make our path straight. We go on a crooked road. All right? God's word, God's ways, by the way, are God's ways, um, they're not always easy. God never promised an easy path, but it will always be the right path. Okay? Praise God for that. In that God does deliver us. He delivers us. I like what one commentator says this, that his deliverance, his rescue is full of surprises. As he supplies all the needs of his people, he straightens the way. He leads them into the city and provides for their shelter, for their food, and for their drink. Isn't that amazing how God provides for the basic things of our life if we simply just follow him and trust him? Here's the challenge I want to 
share with you right now from this verse here is similarly this, let God's way be our way. Let God's way be our way. Follow him. You know, there's a song I love to sing this as well. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. Good little chorus, okay? Put it this way. God's way, following God's way, following him is better than the greatest and most advanced GPS. Isn't that true? I don't know about you, but I could probably get on another tangent for another 15 minutes, but have you ever put in GPS, go to the place, and you get there, and it's like, man, this isn't what I was thinking. This ain't what I was looking at. And it might be a couple streets over, but this is a totally different place, okay? Pretty amazing when you think about that. Anyways, God's way is best. Let's follow him. And then also we see that God is good because he satisfies us. And now look with me in verse 9. He says, For he satisfied the longing soul and filled the hungry soul with what? Goodness. Amazing. He satisfies the longing soul, fills the hungry soul with goodness. So God is good simply because he satisfies us. It's interesting when Mary found out that she was with child when she visited Elizabeth. It's called Mary's Magnificat in Luke chapter 1. And she says this, that he hath filled the hungry good things. He hath, she, he hath filled the hungry with good things. God only gives us what is good. Think about that. He only gives us what is good. In that, he satisfies our longing soul and he he fills the hungry soul. Psalm chapter 34, verse 10 says, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want or lack any good thing. Pretty amazing. The young lions who are strong and courageous, voracious even, yeah, they suffer hunger. They get hungry easy. Those that seek the Lord have everything provided. I like the promise in Psalm chapter 37, verse 25. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Isn't God good? He absolutely is. So considering the evidence of the goodness of God, recognizing that he is good, leads us really to the last point here is that there's a song of the goodness of God. That's again in verse 8. And then other passages as well. We saw that. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. So this is a song here. Can we say that? This is a cry. Remember the goodness of God. He is good. So in that, I have a question this. Even if you have not gone through distress in your own life, maybe you haven't experienced what your neighbor has or another family member has gone through in their own life, uh, you can still have sympathy for those who have. We have gone through that. I challenge you this, that you can sing of God's goodness in your own life. Consider the goodness of God in your own life. And then also look at the lives of one another, of the redeemed. I think it was amazing talking with, with Tom Delaney this week, who uh, before his surgery, um, he, I think he was a little nervous. I mean, you're going to have a brain tumor removed. Obviously, that's a big deal. I think he was a little nervous, but he was trusting in the Lord. He said, the Lord is good. He'll take care of me. I even was when we were visiting with your mother yesterday with Karen and really she talked about prayer and how prayer is like, you know, it's not the last thing to do. We give up. Oh, what else is there to do? Let's pray. No, she said prayer is the first thing. She talked about the priority prayer and I was blessed hearing her testimony yesterday uh, and her commitment to the Lord and understanding that he is good, that he is caring for her. Praise God for that. You know what? That was a testimony to me to see the goodness of God in her life. So pay attention to the goodness of God in your own life and in the lives of one another. Very, very important. I also challenge you to sing of the goodness of God when it's fresh on your memory. 
In other words, if God has blessed you with something, give him thanks then. Don't wait until next week. Don't wait till tomorrow. Thank God immediately when it comes to your memory. Oh, God, yes, thank you. Or maybe there's something that has happened in the past that something has brought to your mind. Maybe earlier this year, there's something that happened. God answered a prayer. And you can stop and say, oh, God, yes, thank you for doing that. Thank you. You are good. And also, we can sing of God's goodness again and again. This is a lifelong thankfulness. A lifelong thankfulness. In other words, you don't stop giving thanks on Thanksgiving Day or just on Sunday. This is something to do every day. Do it again and again. God, you are good. You are so good to me. So my question, have you experienced the goodness of God in your life? Have you been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? Have you been saved? If you want to know what God is like, it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for mine. He shed his blood to cover us. The sinless one, one who did no wrong, innocent, died in your place and in mine. He was buried and he rose again the third day. He did that to give us hope and forgiveness and redemption. Have you trusted the Lord as your Savior? Are your sins forgiven? Can you rest assured now that you have done that? If so, you have tasted the goodness of God. You can rest assured that he will sustain you and deliver you in this life. And this is a foretaste of glory divine. The goodness of God will revive our hunger and thirst in this life. You will find that God is good. He is all-sufficient and help to them who seek him. Also, we see that he is the infallible guide through life. God will never lead you down the wrong way. It will be the right way. In that he has prepared for us a home of peace that is beautiful and blessed. The redeemed have this promise from Psalm 23. You'll recognize it. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And if you lead along that path, where are you going to end up? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Trust in the Lord. Observe and consider his ways. And over and over, you will find the goodness of God.